Hello everyone, my name is Victoria Gomez and I would like to tell you a short story called The Mortars in the Real Morgue by Edgar Allan Poe. Analytical thinking itself is difficult to analyze. The usenbroglio of complex circumstances constitute its peculiarity and effect. While successful resolution of that riddle seems very intuitive, it is nevertheless the result of a strictly methodical thought process. Mathematical studies teach analytical thinking, although calculating and analyzing are not the same thing. An essential element of successful despite and analytical thinking the ability to put oneself in someone else's place. This requires a great mental effort than the game of chess. In chess, you have to be focused so as not to overlook a possible move. This is by no means in deep issues, but only a complicated type of calculation. Instead, wished a card game offers a thought process of the highest order. Here, success depends on considering all the possibilities that might arise from the analysis of the information offered by the cards as they appear on the table. But since they are often not as obvious as, for example, combination in the game of chess, which requires special observation ability, especially in relation to the body language of the opponent. The capacity of analysis must be distinguished from wisdom. Their difference is even greater than the between more fantasy and true imagination. Smart people often have a lot of fantasy, but they are often difficult to analyze. On the other hand, people endowed with true imagination develop the skill necessary to be a good analyst. In a bookstore in Paris, the narrator meets by chance Sir August Dopping, a young gentleman from a good family. However, Dupin has impoverished, and his only passion is books. It turns out to be very cultured and extremely lively mind. After several simulating conversations, they settle together in a small house in a Faunborn Saint Germain district. The narrator quickly accepts Dupin's hobbies close the window shutters during the day and stay in the house by candlelight. The two go for a walk along at night and enjoy fascinated by the play of artificial lights and shadows of the city. They do not receive visitors, but live consciously in total isolation. Gradually, Dupin shows extraordinary analytical intellectual abilities. You can, without further aid, guess the intention of many people. During one of his evening walks near the Palace Royal, after a moment of silence, Dupin surprised his friend with a comment that corresponds exactly 
to what he's thinking. It's turned out that it was thinking of a certain actor who do this church tattoo is considered unsuitable for certain tragic roles. Dupin explained how he was able to guess his friend's thoughts. As he turns onto the street, they are now walking down. The narrator had to dodge a freight merchant carrying a lot of unstep on the lost cobblestone. Dupin noticed that his friend kept thinking about the cobblestone because he kept his gaze down and after a while mutters the technique termed stereotomy. From previous conversation, Dupin knew that this word would case a chain of association that, through ancients of Latin saying, referring to the name of Orion, and that saying had been applied against the name of the actor about whom they had recently read an unfavorable review in the newspaper. Finally, Dobbin watched as his friend stood to move away from the actor's typical hunched posture. Therefore, he was sure that his partner was simply thinking of the actor. A few days later, the two learned from the newspaper of a cruel crime in the Rue Morgue in the central Paris. Their discovery is described in detail. At about three o'clock in the morning, a witness by outburst of terror. The residents and two gendarmes were forced at the door of a house on whose fourth floor Madame Lespagne and his daughter Camille lived. As they climbed the stair, people keep hearing voices arguing that them they stopped. The back room of the house, whose entrance Terrell also has to force, was totally devastated. On the ground were scratched various values, including 4,000 francs in gold, plus a razor, as well as human hair pulled from the scalp and soaked in blood. The daughter corpse was tucked upside down in the narrow opening of the chimney. His face was scratched. Dark mark on his neck indicated strangulation. The mother corpse was in the yard. His head was almost detached from the trunk. His face was disfigured until it was almost unrecognizable. The next date, the newspaper report on the questioning of witness from the victims, environment and the neighborhood. Washerwoman Pauline Dopor stated that only the fourth floor of the house was inhabited, that the ladies were well off and kind, led a retired life and had no servants. The tobacco sellers Peter Moriu confirmed in particular the statement about the retired life. Gendarme Isidore Musset reported on the opening of the door and on the shoot they had heard on the straight case of the house. 
one person spoke in English, the other apparently spoke in Spanish. Instead, the silver met Henry Duval, who was also on the ladder, attribute the foreign voice to an Italian. Casual passer by Underheimer described the boys speaking in French as both fearful angry. He and other witnesses hear the word sacre, sac sacred, diable, devil, and mon dieu, my God. In the blanker Jews make note declared that Madame d'Espanier was wealthy and that three days early she had withdrawn 4,000 francs in gold. His assistant, Adolphe Le Bon, said he had given the money as he should have. No one's following him. Taylor William Bird, an Englishman who lived in the neighborhood and one of the first to reach the strikers, maintained that the foreign boys spoke in German and said he heard inside noise of fighting and something being dragged away. Most witnesses confirmed that the back room door was locked inside. Funeral businessman Alfonso Garcio, a Spaniard who also lived in the Morgue Street, said the shrill boy spoke in English, but he doesn't understand English. The Italian who also climbed the stairs, Conditor Montani, opened that he was a Russian, but has never spoken to a Russian. The doctor they call Paul Dumas conducted a forensic examination on the night of the murder. Camille's larynx was fully present. In the mouth of the stomach, there was a huge bruise, perhaps caused by a knee. Camille has just been strangled. His mother has suffered numerous fractures. His entire body was disfigured and mistreated, probably from blows inflicted by a heavy club. His neck had been cut with a razor. The day after the murder, the crime scene was strongly reviewed with not new findings. No trace were found that could explain the intrusion or the escape of the perpetrator. Dupin and the narrator followed the news with great interest, but when the newspaper reported that Le Bon, the beard of the 4,000 francs gold, is arrested, Dupin manifests himself. He harbors the strong suspicions that this way has the reasons about the methodological approach of the supposedly intelligent Paris police. He critics the fact that it's very easy to run the risk of becoming strangled in trivia and thus losing the general vision. Dupin obtained permission from the perfect of the police and begins his own investigation at the crime scene in the morgue street. 
The house is still surrounded by peppers, duping accompanied by the narrator. First, observe with a great attention for an alley the back of the house and surrounding areas. He then examined the devastated room that has been left unchanged. For Dupin's friend, there are no new clues. On the way back, Dupin makes a stop to visit the office of Parisian newspaper Le Monde. Dupin doesn't talk about the mortars again until the next day at noon. Fair, he points out that newspaper reports have failed to address the unusual horror crime. Nor is surprising that the witness, who were on a stair at the same time in question, had heard the changes words. No one had been found in the room and because of the people, no one would have been able to escape down the stair without being seen. Dupin believed that the unusual of the case should provide the decisive clause of the solution. Greater than, as in the police, paralyzing thoughts. Moreover, they had not yet realized that all the witnesses agreed that one voice belonged to a Frenchman. Dupin pays special attention to the possible escape route of the affairs. On his own inspection, he found out that there were not secret exits, and that it was also not possible to escape through the narrow chimney. So only the two windows remained even though they were closed and locked for the inside. But, guide his previous reflection, Dobbin scrupulously examined them and found that one of the latches was broken without it being visible at the first scene. At back of the house, Dobbin noticed that he could climb up the lining road and proper himself to get straight to the window. Also, the condition of the room gave Dupin a lot of think about. The room was devastated and looked loot, but nothing had been stolen, at least not the most valuous items. Therefore, the motive that the police usually assume are ruled out. Dupin even said that there is no reason at all. The mystered men and death of the two victims, Camille's strangulation, her hidden place in the fireplace, her hair pulled out and the condition of Madame L'Espanier's corpse such as superhuman strength and animal brutality. Dupin finds in the body of Madame Espanier a lock of hair that is not human and plains an impression of the bruise on Camille's neck that show that no human hands could have pressed like this. When compared to illustration in an encyclopedia, he concludes that crime must have been the work of an 
or ragutan. As Dublin expressed all this to his friend, he waits for a visitor from whom he hopes to learn more. Dupin published an advisement in the Le Monde newspaper in which he offered to return a supposedly captured orangutan to his rightful owner. As Dupin suspects, the visitor who arrived soon after turned out to be a sailor. Dupin pretend to be in possession of the animal. When the sailor offered a small reward for the find, Dupin's demand a confession regarding the events of the night of a murder. After the initial surprise, the sailor recounted what happened to the monkey. The animal had been captured by a comrade in Borneo. After the comrade died unexpectedly, the sailor took over the orangutan. He managed to bring the monkey to a Paris and tried to sell it to the botanic garden. One day, the sailor surprised the monkey as he tried to shave, imitating his master. In that moment of mutual terror, the animal fled like the knife in hand. The sailor followed him late at night on the Mark Street. There was a light in the house of the L'Espanier. The orangutan climbed up the line road and, with the help of a window shutter, got straight into the two women's room. The sailor was certainly able to climb up the lightning rod, but from there he could only observe the events through the window. His truth became a horrifying witness to the slaughter perpetrated by the animal. Only when he saw his master did the animal feel guilty. So to speak, he devastated the room and removed the corpse through the fireplace and the window. The sailor then fled the scene and uttered the words heard by the people climbing the stairs, along with the scream of the fleeing beast. Later, the sailor catch the animals and sell it as plaint. Le Bon, the one who transport the money, is immediately released after Dupin's speech at the police perfection. That is the end. Thank you for your attention.